Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. So before I start this morning, uh, I want to say something to you. Um, it was brought to my attention by a handful of people that I, that I love um, that the last couple weeks, it's possible that I've come across a little angry. And uh, maybe you felt it, maybe you didn't. But if you did, I want to apologize to you for that. I don't like angry preaching. And I certainly don't want to be an angry preacher. And there's a difference between anger and passion. Uh, so we discussed it, you know, together a little bit as, as elders Wednesday night. And uh, it turns out there were a few things bugging me. I didn't know they were seeping into the talk. But they let me vent. And I feel better now. <laughs> so uh, I just want you to forgive me if you felt that. No place for that. So we're in this series on clarity, uh, trying to gain clarity. And we've been in it for eight weeks, and it has led us to the topic of the church, which we've decided to camp on for a few weeks. This is, I think, week three on, this, on the topic of the church itself. And it's very possible, as you've listened that you've underestimated the church and its role in your relationship to God and to your spiritual life. And so we've been asking, well, how connected to the church do I have to be? Um, What level of involvement is expected of me uh, from a biblical perspective? Well, we've established a few things that I don't have a whole lot of time to review except just to mention them to you. We've established that Christ is the ruler over the church, uh, the highest authority in this age and in the age to come. He possesses and he rules over the church. In fact, he's cons- he has been given as head over the church, which means we are organically related to him. We are re- therefore related to the church, and you cannot separate them. We have said through this, that a, if you have a high view of Christ, then you have to have a high view of the church because you cannot have one without the other. Uh, John Calvin said, he cannot have God as his father who does not have the church as his mother. They go together. And so I can never just view myself and my own growth and my own spiritual life alone as an individual, separate from the body. To do that, to pit my relationship with God against the church, would be to throw out the vast majority of the New Testament. You would have so very little to work with as a believer if you were to do that. So, uh, 
So we argued last week that our spiritual life and our spiritual growth out of Colossians, the book we're in, is absolutely dependent on each other. This week, we're looking at another critical element of our connection to the church and why uh, we can't view ourselves separately from it. And this has to do with our identity as a community. Today we're talking about as our identity as a community and the relational I- dynamic that must flow from that community. Uh, and we're going to look at a style of relating that I think is distinctly Christian. So just in case you say, well, I have friends and I have people who are outside the church, this week and next week you're going to understand why the specific local community is, is critical to your spiritual life and purity uh, as opposed to Christian relationships you have with people that are not in your local community. This week and next week, I'll show you why that's so significant. Uh, so we're talking about our identity, and let me see if I can give you a little bit of a help. When you think about who you are as a, as, a, as a believer, you know, the New Testament describes the church, us, as saints 67 times. They're all plural. There's never just an individual saint walking around. It's kind of like grits. No one asks for a grit. They go together. Grits and saints have something in common. You don't just get a grit. If you, if you said, what's a grit? There's no such thing. They're grits. That's what I'm talking about. When you view yourself, you can't just view yourself as the saint. you got to see yourself as as with the saints. It's a completely different mindset. But I want you to see how we see each other and how we treat each other is distinctly Christian and makes the church what it is. And there's nothing like the church. I I hope you you get that vision uh, by the time we're done with this, uh, that there's no community like it on earth. There's nothing like it on earth. I was reading, uh, came across an article a few weeks ago. Um, it turns out that uh, Facebook has an inaugural summit, or community summit, they call it, at the end of every summer. And they get together, and Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of, this, of Facebook, sort of gives his spiel to, to the group. And... Uh, in this community summit, this last one here uh, in August, he said that uh, this is sort of what he said to his group. In the face of declining church membership, he suggested Facebook could somehow fill the void in people's life if they've chosen to walk away from the church. And... uh, and it's a very interesting article, and Zuckerberg is right. Membership in everything is down, not just churches. And so he is trying to create what he calls uh, an artificial intelligence to give something for people to join and to connect to and to find community at some level. 
a lofty goal. And it has served great purposes. Um, but can it replace the church? And I think that is a really good question today. Because some of us are finding our connections socially, relationally, in other ways. Some of them through social media. But is that an adequate replacement? Can you replace the church? Well, this article, uh, I think, does a really nice job of highlighting the fact that we're, we're lacking community where we, ought to, where we ought to have it. But then I think at the end, she, uh, the writer of this article says this, the essence of the church is too far beyond us for any algorithm or business to recreate. What the church provides cannot be recreated anywhere else. Now, you have to see that. You have to understand that deep inside your soul. And I want you to see in the Scriptures why that is real and true. Uh, It's not the kind of thing you can recreate anywhere else. Now, so why can't it be replaced? Why can't it be recreated anywhere else? Well, we're still in Colossians. Paul's going to give us our second real reason for sort of coming, seeing the church and the importance of our involvement in it. The local church, I'm describing. We're all a part of the church universal, but the local church is what I'm describing. This, co- this community, the one you're in right now. So let's take us back to the beginning real quick here where we started in this text and we found uh, this thing right here in our hymn. Remember, this is our hymn in the beginning of Colossians. That's elevating Jesus. So it elevates Jesus over creation, but then it elevates him over the church so that there is a sort of relationship between creation and the church. In other words, what God intended for the world where he ruled over it. Now he is ruling over the church and intends it for them. The body. Believers. You say, what's he doing in there? What's he doing there? Well, this text explains what Jesus is about now. Here he was about creating. Now he's about recreating, really, because he's reconciling all things to himself. He's trying to make peace with the human race, because evidently it got lost in here. And he's going to do it at infinite cost to himself. He's going to shed his own blood on the cross. He's going to become human, and he's going to go to the cross to achieve it. So that means this whole sort of dynamic of reconciliation and what the cross accomplished is being carried out through, through the new locale of his leadership, which is the church. Whatever he's doing in the world, he's doing it through the church. That's the first very, very important connection. Now, I want you to understand that this peace he's describing This is not inner peace. It leads to inner peace, but it's not inner peace. It's relational harmony. (laughs) Sin got us sideways with God, separate from God. 
We became his enemies, hostiles. Listen, sin is hostility toward God. So we were his enemies. So he had to make peace. He's going to reconcile us to himself through the cross. So it's relational harmony. When we think of the cross, typically we think of Jesus dying for us as individuals. Jesus died for me. We say a lot. He did that for me. There is a far larger community peace to what Jesus did on the cross than just for individuals, and they can't be separated. So you say, where is Jesus? Where's Jesus as head of the church? What are you doing reconciling? What does that look like? Where can I see it? Well, essentially, it's the church. Now, I want you to look at Colossians 3.15, because this is where we're heading now. This, we were in Colossians 2 last week. This week, we're in Colossians 5, and I want you to, or 3, and I want you to just see what Paul says at the end of a long paragraph, and we're just going to look at the big moves, because it's way too intricate and way too... Um, it's really wonderful, Colossians 3, 1 to 15, but we can't look at it all. We're just going to look at the big moves, okay? So I want you to get to the end of the paragraph here, and I want you to see what it says to us. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called into one body, Heart and body. Now, this is a great text that is the culmination of a paragraph. We've got to work our way through to understand what this verse right here means. Just think about this for a second. Let Christ rule in our body. Now, there are, there are at least two words already here. There'll be a third one in a minute that literally Paul used in Colossians 2, 18 to 19 that we saw last week. So they are parallel. They're still talking about the body, one of them's body, and one of them is the word for rule. We'll see what that means in just a minute. But you say, what kind of peace are we talking about? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? You could take that to mean, yes, I'm personally very peaceful, and I'm just going to hold on to that peace. It's my peace. You could do that. But Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, you're part of a body. You're the heart of a body. Not just a heart. You're just not, you're not a walking heart. You're part of a body. So, so growth on the inside of me is not the goal of this text. Because whatever's happening inside of me, whatever peace I have relational harmony because that's what the peace is, as you'll see, because the text will, the context will prove that. That relational harmony has got to work itself out in the body. So I, I, I can't be content to feel good about my relationship with God alone in my heart. It's got to flesh out in the body. What's the body he's describing? What's one body? Give me another word. It's the church. We already saw that in Colossians 2. So it's the, it's the body. So what you're saying is whatever the relational peace, whatever the relational harmony that I have through Christ must, listen, 
must be worked out through this body right here, the local body, the church. I'm not allowed to just hang on to that relational peace by myself and call it there. Okay, so now we got to just look at some of the big moves that happened in the passage that we're going to look at right here. Um, and we're going to go back now. See, this is verse 15. We're going to go back to verse 10 and work our way back to here to pull this apart. So let's start in verse 10 because now we, are, we have this new body and we're trying to identify this body. So let's look what Paul says in verse 10. You have put on the new self. You have put on a new self which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So here's our creation image again. This time we're recreated. So we, this is the new creation. He created once. Now there's a new creation. That's what he's doing in the church, and that's who we are. That's what we got to figure out who it is. Who's the new self? When you read this, you might think to you, God has made me new. That's why self is probably not the best way to translate. The word is anthropos. It means man. There's a new man. So now what we're going to learn now, and I want you to see this big move, and you're going to see it, but I'm going to give it to you a little bit ahead of time so that you can understand it theologically. Whatever the body is that we are, oops, whatever the body is, it's now being described here as a new man. That's what I want you to see. So he says, put on the new man. Let's figure out what that means. It's constantly being renewed. It's constantly becoming the new thing God has created it, recreated it to be. Uh, let's see how we want to pull this out. So we're talking about our identity. Put on your new being. Well, what is that new being that's being recreated? Should I see myself as the new man? Should I interpret that as individually? Because that's how we would typically read this text, probably. But verse 11, verse 11 is going to help us. Because I want you to see something. We're talking about this new man being renewed, and it starts out literally with this adverb right here, which comes right here. And it's a word that means, get this, where. Whatever the new man is, okay, whatever the new man is, it's a place. It's not in me. It's a place. That's important because immediately you realize this must, this must be something corporate. He's not talking about something inside of me when he says, here, put on the new man. It's a place. It's a corporate setting. It's where people are. You say, how do you know that? Where there's no distinction between Greek and Jew. Is that happening in you? That can't be happening in you. 
It's where circumcised and uncircumcised relate together. It's where barbarians and Scythians relate together. It's where slave and free men come together, where Christ is in, look, all, is all, and in all, you see? It's a corporate picture. Whatever the new man is, Paul started out, we're in one body. Now he's describing this new man. Okay, and a new man couple of things about this new man. We are, we've already seen them. Okay. Uh, in this new man, in this local church right here, Paul is saying there's no race distinctions. There's no religious, whatever your religious background was, in Christ we come together, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. You might have physical markings from, from a former religion or past. You come in here, they disappear. Uh, how about cultural? Barbarian. You know, uh, I know that it's very, very difficult. The closest thing we could really come to understand Greek and Jew uh, racism is black and white in our world. But Greek and Jew problems were, I mean, they despised each other so much they wouldn't, they wouldn't eat food cooked by each other. They wouldn't walk a certain distance within each other. They couldn't enter each other's homes. They, they wouldn't go anywhere near each other. They, would, they dis, despised each other. And then you got barbarians. The Greeks, the barbarians, an Ottoman poetic word, which means it, it sounds like barbar. Bar. It's, it, it's, it's, mock, it's the Greeks mocking the language of non-Greeks. You don't talk like us. And then the Scythians, were, they were savages. They didn't even live in, live in the Roman province. So we're talking about culturally and geographically different people, savages. The only illustration I could come up with is something like a, like a Philadelphia Eagle fan. Something that would be <laughs> something way out there. You know, like I'm from a different world. But these kinds of distinctions is how, these were really high walls in society. Outside of the church, these distinctions matter. You don't talk like me, you don't live near me, you don't act like me, you don't look like me, you're not from the same heritage as me. All of those things separated everybody. But when they came to the church where the new man was being created, these things disappeared. Now, I want to show you something. This is, just has to be read. I, this is Ephesians talking about the same subject. This is Ephesians talking about the same subject. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the same blood that does the reconciling. You say, what kind of reconciling is Jesus doing in Colossians 1? Right here. For he himself is our peace. There's the same word. He is our peace. What kind of peace? Relational harmony peace. Who made both groups into one. One what? And broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. See, that's what Jesus, that's what the gospel does. It's an incredible achievement in the first century. An incredible achievement. 
to bring Jew and Greek together to form the church. Because he knocks down the barriers. That's what he does. He knocks down the barriers. And might reconcile them both into, here's our word, one body to God through the cross, having put to death the enmity. There's our one body again. So we're talking about the church. Here's our word reconcile again. You see the whole picture is coming together. You say, what is the one new? By abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments contained in ordinances, things that separated us, so that in himself he might make the two into, look at this, one new what? What's what's the one new man? It's the church. It's the church. It's a new man. It's a new society. It's a new place. Racism has no place in it. See, here's the thing. I have been reconciled to Christ. Here's the, the bottom line picture. I have been reconciled to Christ. He died and made peace for me with God, even though I was a hostile enemy. Guess what? It wasn't based on my race. It was not based on where I was from. It was not based on how much I had. It was not based on how I talked. It was not based on my position in society. It was not based on my religious background at all. It wasn't based on that. So when I come together in the church, I'm not boasting about any of those things. So because of that, I can't look down on anyone who has any of those things different than me. Do you see this? You see? It's impossible to, be, to feel superior to anyone. That's what the church creates. A place where no one can feel superior to anyone else. Because of what Christ does. Because what binds us together is the cross. Not our favorite football teams. Not our favorite, not, not our favorite languages. Not our, not our favorite positions in society. Not our favorite political parties. They die in here. I don't care if you're Democrat or liberal. Or, or, uh, or, or Republican. Mess that up. doesn't matter. You can be liberal. You can be conservative. I knew that word was in there somewhere. I was trying to get it. So that all disappears because the one new man isn't you and it isn't me. It's a place where we come together and by the way we relate, we prove to the world. Listen, our world right now needs to know what it looks like to be in a place, to live in community where there is no racism. Where are they looking for it? If you asked Jesus, he would say, you ought to find that in the church. You ought to find that in the church. They should be looking to the church for how to live together without difference. That's why you can't. That's why Zuckerberg can't recreate it. Because what Christ has created here cannot be recreated. Now I want to say something to you here. I want to say something to you here. Most of you in here, most of you, would probably say you're not prejudiced. Or you would say, I don't want to be. 
I don't want to be prejudiced against what somebody drives. I don't want to be prejudiced against how somebody else raises their kids. I don't want to be prejudiced about how anybody else do this. Most of us would say we do not want to be that way. But I'm here to tell you, don't you who actually would claim I don't want to be prejudiced, and maybe I would say I'm not prejudiced, but don't you find prejudice arising in you every now and then? Don't you? Nod your heads. Don't you find it in you? You better believe it. You say, how does God continually scrape that out of my life? Right here in the local church. You keep coming in here and you keep loving the people who are older than you and the ones who are younger than you that bug you. It'll just keep the prejudice against the young. I bet you are. I bet there are times you're prejudiced against the old because they're in the way. They're on scooters. They're doing stuff. And you're like... Does everybody get to ride a scooter in society? How nice would it be to ride a scooter in society? I got to walk, I got to wait behind scooter guy to get my coffee. You know where the prejudice is going to be? Right here, right here at the coffee shop. God, continue to get, scrape that prejudice out of me. You ever make, you ever make fun of the way people talk? Where are you going to lose that? You ever make fun of people for any other reason or feel superior to any other reason? Where are you going to lose that? Don't imagine, don't imagine that because you called yourself that you're not prejudiced, that you're not. Christ wants to regularly, look at this phrase right here, and I'm not going to be able to finish this talk, and it's really, really frustrating me. It's really frustrating me, but this is too good right here to, to, to leave um, because I want you to see, what was the thing I was going to, oh, uh, you've put on the new man who is being renewed. I'm not fully renewed yet. I'm not fully rid of all my prejudices. And in community with each other, we are constantly letting Christ, soon as it pops its ugly head up, and it will, it'll pop its head up today. Christ gets to go. You get to say to yourself, oh, no, 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 that's not who we are. That's not who we are. That's the only way it's going to happen because if we keep saying we're not prejudiced, that's not helping anybody. It's not helping the, the society for us to be, keep saying we're not prejudiced. Yes, you are. And you need Christ to constantly be renewing that, and we need to do it together. So if I spot it in you or you spot it in me, we got we to gotta get rid of it. We cannot tolerate that when it pops up in our minds and heads and hearts. How are you going to do that? You will not do it by yourself. You just won't. That's why he creates the new man. You know what the new man is? It's a new society. It's a new social order. It's a new identity of people where there is no superior or inferior based on anything. Christ is, listen to this, Christ is so prominent in your life that you literally lose the identity of anything else you've held on to. Some of you pride yourself in your vocation. 
And you might think you're superior to other people sometimes because of what you do for a living. Or, name it. But when you're in a place where Christ is prominent and the central feature that unites us, we're constantly going, Lord, forgive me for that attitude and thought because there's nothing could be further from the truth. And what you're trying to renew and create in me cannot be recreated in the halls of Google. It cannot be recreated in the halls of Facebook or even online. Because I'll tell you what, we all keep saying we're not prejudiced. Somebody's got to constantly be ripping that stuff out of us. Don't anymore say you're not prejudiced. You say God's constantly getting rid of prejudice in me, and I hate it when I see it in me. You see the difference? That's what we do for each other in here. That's what we do. I mean, I got way off here. I got way off the track here. But that's all I can do today, and I'm very sorry. This series is going to go longer than I thought. Because the next half of this is so important, and I can't do it today, or, you, or you'll miss lunch, and you'll hate my guts if I do that. So I get to, I get to save it. Well, then I'll, I'll, I guess I'll just save it. But you see, that's, uh, listen, you've you got a whole new identity. You're not a grit. You're not a saint. It's saints. And in that saints, all distinctions are lost. Christ is so prominent in all of us. Now, we don't see ourselves. You know what? <laughs> All right, right before I pray. My grandfather, when I was a kid, my grandfather grabbed me one day and he said, uh, my grandfather was prejudiced. And he wasn't just prejudiced against any one race. If you weren't Sicilian, if you weren't Sicilian, I don't care if you called yourself Italian, it wasn't enough. My grandfather and his buddies built an entire club. It was called the Tree of Italy. And I mean, just imagine going to a big warehouse that's a, that's a club. If you weren't Sicilian, you couldn't get in it. If you weren't Sicilian, you couldn't get in it. They thought they were superior and bigger and better than everybody else. And I remember sitting at the bar with them as a kid, nodding my head to when he would say, remember, you're Sicilian. He drove that into my head. Here I am, a little kid going, you're right, Grandpa. What could be better than being Sicilian? <laughs> well, the truth is, a lot of things could be better than being Sicilian. But at the time, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. But when Christ comes into your life, he roots that message clean out of your head. Sicilian schmillion. <laughs> Father, what can we say? We just, you, you reconciled us. And, and, and what this shows, Lord, is there's no limit to your love. You love any race. You love any culture. You don't care if it's savage, tribal. You don't care what language people think or speak. You don't, you don't care how much money people make, what vocation they have, what cultural background they have. 
That is a wonderful truth. None of us can feel superior. Because our relationship with you is based on what you did for us, not on anything we are or were. Help us to continue tearing down those walls as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.